facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that's all about making sure that your talent acquisition gets off on the right foot. My name's Peter Weddle. I'm the founder and CEO of TA Tech. And the fact that we're going to cover today, the data point that I think is most important to getting it right in talent acquisition is a change in the demographics. You know, for the last 30 years, the largest cohort in the workforce has been boomers. So recruiters shape their processes, their practices, their technology acquisitions all around the practices, behaviors, needs, concerns of that particular cohort. Well, that's not true anymore. Today, the largest single cohort in the workforce is millennials. They comprise 35% of the workforce. And check this out. By 2030, just six years from now, they're going to comprise 75% of the workforce. So the way to start smart, it seems to me, is to make sure that you understand the mindset, the goals, the needs, the practices and behaviors of that particular generation in the workforce. And as my guest today, I have a no, no better expert on that particular subject than Heather Tenuto, the CEO of TheMuse.com. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. So let's begin by learning a little bit more about you. I, I think I recall that you're new to the recruiting or talent acquisition space, at least before you came to The Muse. Uh, and then tell us a little bit more about the Muse as well. Sure. So that's right. I've been CEO of the Muse and Fairy God Boss for about seven months now. And my background has been in helping companies about the size of this, generally that are in the five to $15 million range, um, helping them grow and be successful. And I've done that for a few companies. And a big part of that is making sure you have the right teams in place and there's good alignment on culture and values. And so when I was asked to come to the Muse, I felt well prepared, having lived through that many times in my tech and tech sales career. I wanted to bring everything I learned and help more people get that right. Great. Okay. So let's dive in a little bit more on the Muse. Your site describes the Muse as, quote, the first values-based career platform. What do you mean by that? And, and specifically, how is it different from a traditional job board, for example? Sure. So to take a little bit of a step back, the Muse and Fairy Godboss, we have two audiences that we help. We, have, we help individuals find career paths and search for jobs whose people and values align with what they're looking for. So we're a great resource for job seekers. We also help companies that amplify their employer brand and attract and hire next-gen talent, which is what we're talking about today, and talent that not only aligns on skills and experience, but also culture and values. And so when we talk about what does that mean, like how are we different, 
The Muse was founded uh, way back in 2011, and our founders felt personally that it was hard to connect with a job. Like you, you say, hey, I meet this criteria. We had a good interview. I join, and then you might show up, and this isn't really a place for me. I'm not sure like I'm a culture fit here. And so they wanted to create a platform that opened up what a culture was before somebody applied for a job. And so that's what we do on the Muse. We bring three, and, and Fairy God Boss, we bring three things together. We have a job board, a marketplace where employers can advertise their jobs. We also have branding services that help on our site that help employers show what it's like to work at a company. In addition, we curate the audience that you're talking about. We have 5 million unique visitors visiting us every month. They're a highly coveted asset in the workforce. And so we bring those three things together so employers can have real success finding this audience, connecting with the members of the audience that is the right fit for their culture, and actually getting that talent on board. Yeah, that would seem to be especially important with what you call the next-gen worker, those millennials and Gen Zs out there. There is some data that was published in Fortune magazine, but I think it's based on an Indeed study, which found that 87% of millennials who accepted a job didn't show up on the first day of work. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's, you know, sort of buyer's remorse. Once they say yes... Uh, they do a little bit more research about the company. They talk to their friends uh, that they didn't have a chance to talk to as they were going through the interview process, whatever the whatever the reason is. But but they have second thoughts. I suspect that a significant reason for those second thoughts is they're worried about that alignment around culture that you were just talking about. That's right. There's never been more information available for a job seeker. And so it's really important that companies think about that when they're trying to attract the very best talent. The reason why I came to the Muse and Fairy God Boss is that I found that not everyone has the same access to the information, the tips, the tricks, how to write a resume. And we democratize that, right? We, we put a lot of really good content out there for job seekers, helping them do that evaluation that you're talking about so that everyone has access to those, to those sources um, to help them figure out what's the best fit. So companies on the flip side of this have to be thinking about all the time, like what brand are they trying to create for themselves and what brand may be out there that they didn't create for themselves, but it's out there that they, they want to try to curate in a better way to attract the talent they want. So know that this is how this generation of job seeker is evaluating their opportunities. And if you want the very best talent, you've got to meet them where they are. Yeah, and that's challenging, of course, because an organization is what it is, not what it says. And particularly in today's world, any company that tries to brand itself in an inauthentic way is going to get called out quickly on social media, even by its own employees. So uh, I think it's important to understand what attributes of your culture connect with this rising generation of professionals. But at the same time, it definitely has to be authentic. And that's right. And when we talk about specifically what is this generation looking for, work-life balance obviously is always a topic that comes up. And what does that mean? What we're finding more and more is that, and, and this is probably due to the where we are after the, the, the last four years and the pandemic, that job seekers want clarity around what work-life balance means. Like it's easy to say, oh, we have good work-life balance, but 
what does that actually mean? How are companies defining that very specifically? We saw a lot of back and forth from we're in we're an in-office company, we're a hybrid company, we're a totally remote company, we're going to change our minds three weeks later. So job seekers are looking at work-life balance for good definitions about what that means. The other thing that I found that is starting to come through the research and I find fascinating is at the top of, especially with Gen Z, they're looking for opportunities for career growth to be trained, to understand what their path is going to be. Training, training, training is coming up more and more. And I think that's interesting. We saw another study where younger job seekers are more worried about AI than older job seekers. And so I think it's related to the, the ask for training. I want to get further faster so that my job can't be replaced so easily by AI. I, I want to be a contributor and I want to get there as fast as possible. And like good for good for that generation. I think that's really smart. And, and looking for places that are going to invest in their career development is really important. So that's what employers should be putting out there right now to, to attract the very best of this generation. Yeah. In fact, you help people, just if I understand your site's mission statement, you, you help people discover where they want to go and help them build a career roadmap. Where do you begin helping a fresh college graduate begin to think about her opportunities and what she wants to do and where she's going to be most successful? It starts with really creating a map for yourself. And I think one of the things that people coming out of college want to gravitate towards is like, this is my dream. This is where I think I want to end up. And they, they assume the path to get there will be very straight. And I can say for myself, it never is that straight. You know, there's <laughs> lots of bobbing and weaving. And so finding places where you're going to be, in my opinion, what we believe is finding places that are going to start to give you the independence you need by the training, by the compensation, you know, opportunities to advance. The, the further you get up the ladder, the more options and choices you have. So part of it is finding that culture and value fit. The upward mobility is really important. And just realizing that where you want to get to the end may look very different from where you start. And there's lots of factors that you need to put behind you in order to, you know, reach your dreams. It's often a very crooked path. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. So you mentioned your founder. And it, at one point in an interview, she said that the reason that she founded the Muse was because when she got out of college, she felt totally unprepared to navigate the world of work. And she even wrote a book about it. I'm sorry. When did you say the Muse was founded? 2011. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So... So in the past 12 or 13 years, do you think things have gotten any better? Are, are you seeing the younger edge of the workforce having more skills about how to do all the things you and I have just been discussing? I don't know. You know, I used to be a teacher. I think we talked about that last time we spoke. And I, I'd love to see the educational system helping more in this area. I don't know if that's happening yet. I think it starts to happen in university and college campuses. But I believe it should be starting all throughout your academic career. And so I'm not no, I don't know if I'm seeing the change there. The thing that's different is that 
our students come out of school with more information at their fingertips than you or I ever had, and they know how to navigate that. So I think that's a big step ahead. I think the Muse, um, to Catherine and Alex's credit, was one of the first sites that brought that information forward, that asked companies to share what their cultures and values were, what benefits they offered, um, testimonials from their employees, from hiring managers on what it's like to work there. And so we were the first to kind of start to uncover that information. I think it's very available now in lots of places. You, you hear people talking about their jobs on TikTok. I'm the mother of a Gen Zer, and she goes to TikTok before she goes to Google to find what she's looking for. And so that information is there. So I think that is giving the younger generation an advantage that we didn't have. So certainly they have access to opinions and to research and so forth. To your point, I'm not sure that's the equivalent of an educational approach to career self-management way back in the dark ages uh, was asked to interview to run a college career center. It was where I did some of my graduate work. And I had a very nice set of meetings with various people in the administration. And then I had lunch with the president of the college. And he asked me what I thought needed to be changed to make the career center more useful to students. And I said, well, what you need to do is to make it a mandatory course where you grant credit for it. And everybody has to take that course in order to graduate uh, so that they learn the skills in a, you know, in an educational setting, not just the mechanics of writing a resume and doing an interview, but really to think through what do they want to do with their career? What do they want to be when they grow up? And how are they going to get from here to there? That takes a lot of time. I mean, for people like you and me, it took probably four or five or six different jobs before we really had that set in our mind. Well, that's kind of a difficult way to figure that out. Better that we give these kids that stuff in school. And, and I'm not sure Sure, we're there yet. Uh, I mean, and which is why what the muse is doing is so important. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think the other thing that's changing there is around the thinking about college and, and what do you do after high school? We see a lot of very successful people that don't have college degrees. And there's lots of great organizations that are supporting, uh, especially in tech, like you can have a, a career in tech. You know, CompTIA is a great example of, of helping people get certifications that may not have a college background. And so if that's the case, and, and I think that's great, we could do a whole podcast on that topic, then really that education has to start happening in high school and even before. I think you're right. It, I, I don't think it happens as much as it needs to. I'm sure it, it, it does in pockets, but in large educational systems like the one I worked in, there's just not the budget for it. And it does the students a big disservice. I remember giving a keynote after I'd left teaching and my career took off. I was invited back by my old principal to come speak to the students. It was amazing when I talked to the kids after, after the keynote, like just nobody, so many of them didn't know what they were going to do next. They just were like shrugging their shoulders. That said, we've got to make it better. Well, let's talk about the flip side now. Let's talk about how employers need to adapt themselves to the reality of a workforce composed of people who were born in the 1990s and later, very different from what they are or have traditionally been used to. So you say that one of the things that the Muse has pioneered uh, is authentic employer brand storytelling. That, that's a fascinating phrase to me. What, do, what does that mean? 
we believe in authenticity in hiring. There's a lot of talk right now around, you know, can AI replace recruiters? Like, can we get these job filled using automation? And I think that gets us a certain length of the job done. But at the end of the day, like there, we believe that success only happens when there's an alignment, not just on skills and experience, but also on culture and values. And that's hard to do without a personal touch. So what we do at the Muse and Fairy God Boss is help every single one of our employers tell that authentic story. And we also help them get it out into the world um, and especially to our audience. So that may be hiring videos, testimonials from current employees. We, we also help them, especially with our smaller companies that don't do this already, we help them figure out what their culture is, you know, using some tools that we have to say, like, let's find out what your employees really feel about working here. And to your point, because if you just make it up, people see through it, right? Like that's, it's very easy to know that it's not authentic. So we really want to get at that authentic story and the realness attracts the best talent. And so that's what we mean by that. It just can't be automated. It can't be manufactured. It has to come from the employees themselves. Do you think it's gotten harder even in just the short period of time that you've been at the Muse? I mean, we've seen tens of thousands of recruiters laid off. So you help a group of recruiters in a company think through the brand attributes that are appropriate for this cohort of the workforce. You help them get that all set. And then there's this turbulence, this turnover in the in the recruiting team. Uh, and all of a sudden, it, it could feel like you're starting all over again. Every company is having to kind of reinvent its brand over and over again. I mean, a consumer brand stays relatively stable because, hey, you know, that product is that product. But an organization is a living, breathing conglomerate of human beings. It's always changing. How, how do you help them deal with that change? I think that's a really good point. The first thing I would say is your employer brand, we're starting to see the crossover employer and consumer brands where consumers really care, starting to care about how companies treat their employees before they buy a product. So it is as important and it is difficult. You know, when you work with the Muse and Fairy God Boss, our, our employers are on a subscription with us. And so we update those assets, those testimonials, those videos every single year, because we understand that the company morphs over time, especially in the last four years. Oh my gosh, right? Like, have we ever seen so much morphing? And so we keep those stories fresh. The work we do around that is not only the result of say, here's this video, or here's this piece of content that really represents your authentic organization. It helps our companies work through it as they're creating with us. They're learning as we put those things together about who they are, which is a really great thing to see. And, and it's why I think we're all at the Muse, because we get to help companies with that and watch them learn about their own cultures. Yeah, that should be fascinating work. It is. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned a little earlier the study. I actually have it here. Oh, it was your notes. study. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I that's where I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, I, I still find this hard to believe, but there was a study that found that 81% of millennials were worried about AI replacing them on the job. And your point earlier was, of course, that may be what's motivating them to move as quickly as they can up the career path. 
Do you really see that in, in the folks that you work with? That, that they Are they that worried about AI? I do think there's a lot of concern about AI. There's a lot of, I think, misinformation about it too. I giggled when I read the question because <laughs> I wonder if they just understand AI better than the boomers, right? Like it's something that they're growing up with much more closely than than the other generations. And that might be why they're answering that way. But I think it has to do more with entry-level jobs. If you believe what you read, you know, it's the entry-level jobs that are most likely to be replaced by automation um, and artificial intelligence. So I can understand that worry. We see it quite a bit, but I wonder how much of the fear, but I'm not sure we're at the place where it's really having a giant impact. I know in tech, for instance, I think some of the disruption we're seeing as represented by all the layoffs in tech is is a little bit represented by what those companies are, are doing with AI. But there's lots of opportunities. We're seeing lots of opportunities in manufacturing, in healthcare, in education. And so there's a little bit of sector shift happening but we still see those opportunities. And I think people just have to think about them differently. Uh, Something I wrote recently for LinkedIn is like, we've got this really great talent that may have been laid off by tech companies. We We have manufacturing and healthcare companies looking for talent. A lot of them are looking for tech talent. I think it's gonna cause those companies that are hiring to have to shift their employee value proposition a little bit. Like we know that the fast growing tech companies, they were very quick to offer lots of benefits, work-life balance. Pool tables, yeah, yeah. A lot of bells yeah. and whistles, pool tables, ping pong, beer kegs, whatever they were. And so now that's what this cohort is used to. So it'll be interesting to see what manufacturing and healthcare does to compete for the very best talent that is now available and see how their employer brand starts to evolve due to the sector shift we're seeing. It might also be what's driving the point you made earlier about how this cohort is much more interested in the training they're going to get, the career development they're going to get. Because if you look at how fast artificial intelligence is developing. I mean, just look at the difference between ChatGPT4 and Gen AI. I mean, that happened in the space of seven months, and it is an order of magnitude more powerful capability. The problem is that we humans have to keep up with it because as, as that technology changes, so too do the tasks and the job that are left to the humans. And, you know, we humans don't learn the way machines do. We just don't engorge huge amounts of data and, and get smart. It takes a while for us to catch up. So I think that the challenge for this generation is going to be being able to not only get the training, but get it at a pace that will enable them to keep up with technology's development. That's right. It just seems to me to be really a, a big hurdle ahead. So, I mean, if you were advising, well, let's take a, a real world example. When you advise some of your clients and they're saying, you know, we, we really need to upgrade the caliber of our workforce, connect better, retain the people that we do actually recruit. Where, where do you start with them? What kinds of advice do you give them when you're, when they're thinking about being better employers of next gen talent? We encourage them to look at the whole picture and to really understand what, how does the outside world look at what you're offering? And so there's a compensation bucket, there's a career advancement bucket, there's a culture and values bucket. And, and those are really two very big definitions. And we encourage them to also take another step 
in how you look for that talent. You could go to a big job board and get, you know, especially in this market, a zillion resumes, which are, are probably a small percentage are a fit. We think that companies do best when they take the extra step to look in, in other places for talent. We know, for example, that part of having a great culture is having lots of different voices at the table. If that's something you realize you don't have, investing a little bit more in looking for candidates in places where that talent, the diverse talent, generally looks for jobs is really important. Just don't rely on the big guys. And they're all great companies, LinkedIn, Glassdoor, Indeed, great companies. But you may have to be a little bit more focused, go to smaller ponds to find the talent you're looking for. That is a great segue to a question I should have asked way back at the beginning. You have corrected me a couple of times. I keep saying the muse, and it's actually the muse and Fairy Godboss. So what's the difference between the two companies? Sure. So, and it, that is confusing. And so you'll you'll start to hear us call, call ourselves the Muse Group soon. I think I'm saying that here first. Hey, um, we all making news. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting, yeah, you're getting the big tip there. The Muse, our audience is next-gen talent. So we, we, we're about 70% women there. And 60% of our audience identifies as a person from a diverse background. And so really the focus there, very Gen Z and younger millennial focused. And so the Muse has that audience and, you know, was founded in 2011. A few years ago or two years ago, the Muse acquired Fairy Godboss. Fairy Godboss is a platform that's very focused on women. 99% of the users of the platform identify as female and we also have a community aspect there where women are helping women with issues they run into in the workforce and employers can advertise their jobs. We do the same branding services there um, when they're really focused on bringing more women into the into the company. Great. OK, so uh, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. Oh, no, we just got started. <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, first, do you have uh, any final thought or thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners? No, I think that, um, well, I guess yes, because I'm still talking. We believe very deeply in our mission. And if employers are interested in, in how they can attract the talent that we have, our audiences, we'd love to hear from them at the Muse group. Um, so the muse.com, verygodboss.com, we'd love to hear from them. Well, I was just going to ask you, how should people get in touch with uh, with uh, your company? So you've just given us that information. It's themuse.com and fairygodboss.com. So, yeah. So listen, for all of you out there, Starting Smart is all about having the data you need to know really how best to tailor your practices, your processes, your technology, even the culture of your recruiting team. And the data point that we've been talking about today is the really astonishing fact that uh, millennials and next-gen talent are the majority cohort in the workforce. So that should be really the driving force behind the tailoring that you do. And I've been very fortunate to have as our guest today, Heather Tenuto, who is the CEO of the two companies. Heather, thanks very much for being here. I certainly enjoyed our conversation and learned a lot. Me too. Thanks so much. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.